Hey there, come and hear what Make Your Move is all about. People work too hard to avoid uncomfortable emotions. Here, you will gain the skills to become a master listener to the feelings you experience so you can understand the purpose of your emotions, not get stuck, and respond to any feeling with the confidence you are meeting your needs and moving forward. Welcome back to Make Your Move. I am Kimmy Jackson, and this is episode two. How many of you out there are HGTV fans, particularly fixer-upper fans, and are familiar with the phrase, it's demo day? (laughs) I love how that sounds like a holiday every single time I hear it. Well, that's exactly what I have in store for you today. As much as I wish that meant we were all going to get together with a bunch of sledgehammers and a huge wrecking ball... Think about how much fun that would be. Today is more about getting to our emotional foundation. That may require for some of us knocking down some walls or tearing out old carpet, which I would say is the mental equivalent to recognizing or reshaping paradigms. Those are our patterns of thoughts or beliefs that we possess. Now, don't worry, this is going to be more of an exploratory process. This process is focused on exposing our foundational beams or beliefs that we hold around emotions, and you, my friend, get to sit back, take it all in, and listen. During Demo Day, we are going to explore your framework or understanding of emotions and introduce an evidence-based emotional blueprint you can use every day to fortify your foundation and help you become the master listener to your feelings. Basically, we're going to break it all down and build it on back up. So during our first episode, we learned two key components to add to your emotional framework. The first being the definition of emotion, to move, meaning the very purpose of our emotions, anticipation, nervous, love, is to create movement or momentum in our lives. Second, we talked about how emotions are our own personal instant messenger, sending signals and alerts to tell us how to respond, how to tune in, how to move in a particular situation. These truths are critical pieces to our emotional framework. They offer both an understanding of emotions and provide us a clear direction to more competently use our feelings. Now that we understand the purpose and design of emotions, let's talk about their foundation. To do this, we're going to conduct a brief self-assessment with just two questions. The first question I have for you to answer is, yes or no, I can recognize my emotions as I experience them. Second, when I am unhappy, uncomfortable, or upset, I know what I need to do in order to cope. In my experience in working with families, couples, and individuals, I think this is where so many of us get stuck, recognizing our emotions and coping with them. We approach a situation and without any warning, we experience an emotional response to an unpredictable circumstance, and now we are left to handle our feelings as best as we can. And most of the time, there is no time. No time to recognize, no time to problem solve, no time to cope. All there is time for is our learned response or reaction 
to avoid an uncomfortable or unwanted feeling, or maybe you're triggered with an abrupt reaction. So whenever I visualize unpredictable situations or triggering emotions, I immediately think about driving through a roundabout. I'm sure a lot of you know exactly what I'm talking about here. A roundabout really isn't a difficult concept to grasp. We all drew circles in preschool. However, it seems to be pretty common that roundabouts are this nucleus of unexplainable driving behavior. Being cut off, changing lanes at a whim, someone driving too fast and not staying in their lane, or how about that one person who drives ever so slowly? You get the idea. So near my office, I have the, uh, I don't want to call it a privilege, (laughs) but I have two connected roundabouts to drive through. It sounds like double the fun, but it's really not. So there are some days I can cruise through these two roundabouts without any trouble or annoying interruption. Then other days, here comes the unexpected intrusion swerving into my lane. And do you think I take a lot of time to sit and think, hmm, how am I feeling right now? Yeah, not so much. (laughs) So this is a familiar feeling though. Intrusion, discomfort, maybe some fear or anxiety, and a whole lot of frustration. But what about the times in our lives when we can't figure out the feeling? It's complicated, there are layers, or it's been building up for some time. For me, when I'm experiencing a more complicated or complex feeling, and it's taking me time to recognize what the heck is going on, it's real easy for me to feel overwhelmed and anxious. Well, (laughs) That's great. First, I was uncomfortable. I wasn't sure why. So now I'm a bit perplexed and confused. Well, I'm a therapist. I should be able to understand how I feel. Okay, so that's a little bit of shame and frustration, which then leads to overwhelmed and possibly anxious. Sounds like I have a nice little elixir of emotional chaos going on here. And for some of us, it really doesn't take too long to create that kind of concoction. Well, Instead of ingesting or drowning ourselves in emotional chaos, wouldn't it be helpful to turn to a trusted blueprint? That's right, a guide. How many times do you hear people say, well, there isn't a manual for this? (laughs) Sounds like my dad when he's raising us kids. But it also has this underlying tone of hopelessness or helplessness. This is where we can do some demo work. Tear down some restricting walls of habit and frustration and open ourselves to new countertops or cabinets of possibilities for organizing and gaining direction from an emotional blueprint. This blueprint is a foundation that I use with every client that enters my office. And I will tell you that I use it because it simply makes sense. And it goes a little something like this. All emotions that we experience have a function. They tell us what we need. You can go ahead and call this my broken record because you'll hear me say it over and over again. Emotions tell us what we need. And those needs can be placed into one of three categories. A need to feel love and acceptance, a need to feel understood or validated, or a need to feel good enough, smart enough. Really, you can put 
anything in there pretty enough or capable. Now, these needs or categories are titles or keywords that describe a lot of other needs that fit into those categories. For instance, love and acceptance also includes physical touch and affection, encouraging words, quality time. Can you see that? The need to feel understood or validated can be represented by empathic listening, like someone gets me. And the need to feel good enough, smart enough, pretty enough, enough, or capable, I think is a need that people instantly gravitate towards and connect with. This is self-efficacy. Your pride, confidence, the belief that you can do it or that someone believes in you. In counseling, we have an ethical duty and personal and I have a personal mission to use evidence-based practices, which means when we create a therapeutic relationship and work with people, we're using heavily researched theoretical approaches. So these three categories or human needs I'm sharing with you are not from my own brain. That would be pretty awesome, but this is actually from attachment theory. And I would encourage everyone to take some time today, if you can, maybe between ESPN highlights tonight or funny cat videos on YouTube, take some time and research attachment theory. If you think about it, say you were at the dentist waiting to have, like, I don't know, a root canal. The dentist doesn't just walk into your cubby of a room with drill in hand, lay you back, and start grinding away. No, they, along with the assistant or hygienist, collaborate to talk you through the details of the procedure. They ask if you have any questions or concerns, and most importantly, they ask for your consent. Your dental health is very important, and guess what? So is your emotional health. This is a great time to be curious, to research, to ask questions, especially when you're focused on building your emotional foundation. You not only need it to make sense to you, but it needs to fit you. So for the sake of time, what I will tell you about attachment theory is that it is freaking awesome. (laughs) Okay, done. Enough said. Okay, I guess I'll say a little bit more than that. Uh, How about this? Attachment theory has been around for a long time. It was cutting-edge research in the 1950s. Dr. Harry Harlow, a psychologist, was fascinated by love and its importance in human development. He and his team researched the vital needs for baby Reese's monkeys. In particular, they focused on the need of food, nursing for infant monkeys, versus what they called contact comfort. This was their love variable. Each infant monkey was provided with two wire mothers. One wire mother provided food, and the second wire mother was covered in a soft cloth and did not provide food to the infant monkey. Through extensive experimentation, Dr. Harlow discovered, I'm going to use his words here, he said, We had predicted that the variable of contact comfort would be a variable of measurable importance, but we were unprepared to find that it completely overwhelmed and overshadowed all other variables, including those of nursing. 
Dr. Harlow also shared from his findings that the infant monkeys would spend 17 to 18 hours a day with their soft cloth mother and less than one hour a day with their nursing mother. From this groundbreaking research, along with decades of supporting evidence from psychological pioneers such as Mary Ainsworth, John Bowlby, Sue Johnson, just to name a few, all contribute to attachment theory and what it is today. What I appreciate most about attachment theory is the blueprint that it provides for emotional processing. When I was first introduced to the attachment needs, love and acceptance, understood and validated, strong enough, good enough, and capable, it instantly made sense to me. I felt a connection. It was clear to me to see that children display these needs. They need our attention, our affection, our confidence, and we're all familiar with the lack thereof and the tragic failure to thrive cases. But it was a paradigm shift for me to recognize these needs don't change or wither away as we get older. I was a graduate student when attachment theory was being introduced to me, and I knew as a therapist I would be working with all different kinds of people, different backgrounds, personalities, belief systems, some religious, some not, and I knew I needed a theory. I needed a plan, a foundational framework that could help me understand the people I would be serving and collaborating with and the concerns they would be bringing to counseling. I started to see if these three areas or needs in my life are in a secure place, when I feel loved and appreciated, when I feel understood and capable, that's when I felt happy or confident or secure. And on the flip side, I realized during conversations or circumstances when I didn't feel heard or validated, or I doubted my abilities, that's when I would feel off balance or insecure or unsafe. A foundation was laid for me when I realized there isn't an age constraint on attachment theory. There isn't a developmental stage that says, well, today you are an adult and you no longer need validation, love, or encouragement. But wait, that does happen sometimes, doesn't it? That's how we've complicated and convoluted this blueprint. Like laying down linoleum over an original hardwood floor. A big no-no. See, life experiences can teach us to turn off or lose touch with our primary attachment needs. Maybe life has taught you through experience, challenges, or even trauma You don't need people, and you don't need recognition. You don't need to know I am loved or important. Attachment theory also emphasizes early life relationships and observations we make that contribute to how we express our attachment needs even in adulthood. Let's take the workplace, for example. Attachment needs are so transparent throughout the workplace. I read this great article from the Jostle blog. They are an organization dedicated to impacting intranets, their tagline being helping employees engage and leaders lead. They produced a brief and informative article by Greg Palmer highlighting five human needs in every workplace. I want you to listen as I read these needs 
and see how they fit into attachment needs. Palmer states, employees are humans. Humans generally want to contribute their best work and they need to believe their work matters in order to do so. They need to be an accepted part of a tribe. They need to be empowered and enabled to get work done. They need their contributions appreciated and their ideas and opinions respected. Hearing that, which attachment need or needs did you hear? They need to believe their work matters, accepted into a tribe, empowered, and appreciated, respected. See, employees, leaders, interns, volunteers, husbands, wives, roommates, best friends, we all want to feel like we matter, like we belong and we can make a difference. There is no age restriction to attachment needs. The second paradigm shift that happened for me when learning about attachment needs and how our emotions derive from them is that they never turn off. That's right. You heard me use an absolute there. They never turn off. We are always feeling, therefore our emotional foundation is always supporting and organizing those feelings. Just how the floor joists support the subfloor of a house. What I'm saying here is that every feeling you experience comes from and fits into one of those three attachment needs. Doesn't matter what the feeling is, positive or negative, clear or ambivalent. I'll use the empire of entertainment here as an example. Think of a music artist that you like. Any artist. Justin Timberlake, Freddie Mercury, Imagine Dragons... Luke Bryan, or how about Celine Dion? Ooh, an excellent choice. (laughs) Why are you drawn to their music? Celine Dion sings a lot about love. She is uplifting, and some would say her talent is uncharted. Uh, When I hear her music, I feel encouraged, inspired, and love. That sounds a lot like the first attachment need. Not to mention when I sing along in my car, I feel as though I can belt out the power of love just like she can. Attachment need number three. I feel capable until someone else hears me. But until then, I feel capable. (laughs) How about the music you listen to at the gym? I had some Will I Am playing the other day and it kept me pushing through the the workout. I didn't want to quit. There was a powerful beat, and with the lyrics combined, it energized me, and I wanted to keep going. There's attachment need number three again. Are you starting to see the connection here? Now picture a favorite movie. Attachment needs bring an entire plot of a movie to life and connect us with the hero or the villain or the whole story that's unfolding. Anything from Thomas the Train working to be useful or the young Peter Parker wanting Spider-Man to be accepted as an Avenger or what about James Braddock, the washed-up boxer in the 1930s that made his ultimate comeback as Cinderella Man. I'm sure a lot of you get chills just thinking about that movie because movies, music, books, They evoke emotions that are derived from our very own attachment needs. Attachment needs never turn off. 
They are there and they help us make meaning of circumstances. They help us choose how to respond and they intensify in particular situations that we experience. So going back to the roundabout scenario, let's say I get cut off because this happens almost weekly. I get cut off and the driver hogs his horn and shakes his fist at me. (laughs) I am instantly triggered because one, this guy doesn't care about me or my safety. No love there. He's not trying to understand my situation, so no empathy, and he is impeding my ability to drive safely and competently. Boom, boom, boom. All three needs are triggered. And what do I feel? I might call it frustration, but you can see how emotion is triggered at an instant because my core needs are not being considered or validated. Here's another example for you. Let's say you get into a fight with your 16-year-old because they missed curfew again. You say, we have a rule in this house and you need to respect that rule. The need to feel respected, love, or acceptance. They rebuttal with, why do I even have a curfew? You don't trust me. Not feeling good enough or capable or respected. You come back and say, this isn't about trust. You're not listening to me need to feel understood or validated. Then they say, I am listening to you. I always listen to you. And when do my feelings matter? Defending I am capable and asking for validation, love, and acceptance. Can you see all of that going on there? And what we end up with is gridlock, or what we commonly refer to as a lack of communication. But really, there's a lot of communicating happening here, What is missing is identifying which needs are being triggered. This example highlights a very key element to attachment needs. That being, our needs become stronger and more sensitive with those who we choose to attach ourselves to. The guy who cut me off in the roundabout, well, okay, today I can't even tell you what kind of car this guy was driving. And if I'm really being honest, I can't recall if it was a man or a woman driving, but I will tell you if my husband had been driving that car (laughs) or my mom or my best friend, I would process that hurt differently. It just happened there. Instead of calling it an intrusion or an interference, now it's a hurt. Can you hear that? When we recognize the emotional foundation that has always been there, We can use this blueprint to organize, identify, and explain every feeling we encounter. I walk into work after the weekend and I'm feeling bored or unengaged. And I don't know why, I just don't feel like myself. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. Not anymore. No more I don't knows because you have a blueprint for your emotions now. Instead, it can sound more like this. I'm feeling bored or unengaged because when I walked into work today, I saw a group of people talking and I didn't want to interrupt, so I went back to my workstation and just kept to myself. I wish someone would ask me how I'm doing, but I shouldn't let that get to me. But it still does. Now you know exactly where all of those feelings are coming from. 
you know you have an instinctual need to feel cared for, respected, and important. It makes perfect sense to you why you are experiencing those feelings. This is the tool to becoming a master listener to your feelings. We can't become a master listener unless we know what it is we're listening for. You are listening for a feeling and then recognizing that it stems from an attachment need. Just how a contractor or architect need their blueprint, we need our attachment needs. This is the manual. A manual to understand your feelings. Your girlfriend's feelings, your crazy roommate's feelings, your kid's feelings, even your dog's feelings. Any feeling can be explained and understood by our instinctual human needs of love and acceptance, feeling validated and capable. And I know your next question is going to be something like, okay, how do I use this? How questions are so, so important. They reflect that natural desire in us to make our move and we will get there. Before we can get to the how, we need to stay in the what for a bit longer. What are attachment needs and can I identify them? Change comes from more than just knowledge or changing the way you think. You need to feel the change. Try attachment needs on for size and see what you think and feel. Take some time to observe attachment needs in you, in your relationships, in the family standing in line ahead of you at the movies. Create an attachment lens. This will increase your understanding and ability to recognize your own attachment needs so you can become a master listener and make your move. Thanks everyone for tearing down some walls and listening today. Be sure to check out Make Your Move on Facebook and Instagram and you can subscribe to the Make Your Move channel on YouTube. I'm Kimmy Jackson and I'll catch you next time on Make Your Move.